If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and welcome to the finale of Season 3. This is Episode 15, and we're here to talk about being a versatile angler. I'm Dominic Swantoski, the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com, and I'd like to sincerely thank everyone out there for your support of the Trout Bitten Project. And I mean all of it. Since 2014, the website, the videos, the shop, and this podcast, I've met a lot of wonderful people through this endeavor, and I've thoroughly enjoyed creating these media channels. What started as a way to document my fishing experience to leave for my two young sons has grown into a career and a company and a brand that I'm proud of. Thanks also to the sponsors who have supported this podcast from the beginning. And most importantly, Thanks to my guests, Josh, Trevor, Matt, Austin, and Bill. These are my most trusted fishing friends, and it's their ideas, their voices, and their companionship that makes this podcast special. So thanks, guys. Thank you. It's a little sentimental, right? 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 We're here at the end of season three. Last podcast, man. I can't believe it's (laughs) finale. (laughs) I was just getting started after the grievance episode. I was kind of mad I had to listen to you guys on the... I found myself listening to the night fishing episode on the way home, wanting to like, yeah. I was talking to myself. I was like, dang it. <laughs> what do you guys do to stay up? What's your trick for that? Stay up Two on nights what? of good sleep before like it. gummy worms? <laughs> gummy worms? Like yeah. Sour Patch Kids? <laughs> Feet rings? <laughs> Pretty good. Feet rings? <laughs> no. Sugar will put you right to sleep. You never hit that topic. I was like, well, I wanted like at first, you guys just hit the high level stuff. It's like, well, how do you stay up? So No, yeah, that's, that's a good a great point. point. I do coffee. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. I drink coffee on my way to the river and I never, ever drink coffee uh, at night usually. I don't okay. ever drink coffee the morning that I night fish and I only drink it in the evening. So I flip my day. I just like ah. skip it in the morning and then drink it in the evening. Because otherwise huh. it, it burns me out. You know, the, like hmm. I'll get 
it just doesn't have the same effect. Right on. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good point, Matt. I mean, that is something we didn't cover, right? And what it is? Yeah. You know, you're good. asking your body to do something very different. Mm-hmm. Now, usually the fear, when you, especially oh, when yeah. you first start, the the unusualness of it all kind of heightens your senses and yeah. you're, you're on. You you're know? not tired sure. until you get in the car for the ride back. Mm. Good point. Yeah, that's when it sets in. After listening to the episode, I envisioned myself trying to acquire night vision goggles. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says that. I've had a lot of people say that, right? There's a, yeah, I don't know how much it would help, to be honest. And really, that glow in the dark line, mm, that's money. That does everything. It gives yeah, you almost yeah. everything you need. That combined with that bank flash we talked about. That's sure. Good. Yeah. All right, then, the versatile angler. Versatility is a trout bitten mantra, it's the way we fish. In fact, it's why I fish a fly rod, because whatever way the trout wish to feed, I can show them flies that represent that food form. And while some anglers hit the river with one thing in mind, with one fly box and with one set of tools, it's the ability to adapt, to adjust, and modify our approach that makes a lifetime on the water so interesting. Of course, we focus on our favorite tactics, and we may spend the next half of a year just perfecting our dry fly game in tight cover. But once these skills are learned, then knowing that we can throw anything at any time, having a full set of skills at the ready is a rewarding and enjoyable approach to fly fishing for trout. Pursuing this kind of versatility also keeps us in the game for a lifetime. We are forever working on the next idea, refining new casts and another approach. Eventually, we develop such a facility with these skills that we begin to combine them, breaking free from the common and standard approach and landing on new ways to get a dead drift or move a streamer. Creation becomes the goal. Design becomes our drive. And experimentation leads to more answers that lead to more questions. All of it is our reward for being a versatile angler. But of course, nothing comes easy either. The beginning angler should probably refrain from branching out too much at first because too much versatility can become confusing and maybe lead to frustration. Uh, There are stages, there are tools, there are systems for being versatile on the water. And there's a time for all of it. So that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Here for our season three finale is a full house. Austin Dando, Trevor Smith, Josh Darling, Bill Dell, and Matt Grobe. So guys, how's the fishing? All right. I just got done fishing for six days, so now I know how Bill Dell feels every every week of the year. <laughs> That's right. a good way to put it. Right? You feel tired, right? It's, it's a lot of work. I had to row a lot, too, so that's even harder. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Six days in a row. Yep. It was yeah. vacation, my, so my brothers came out. We've been doing an annual trip chase to chase salmon oh, flies. That is nice. And, um, yeah, they just, my, my older brother Bill left yesterday, but it was just awesome, dude. We had... Uh, we're getting out the new boat, so we got in the new, my new RO, DeVille, and put it to use for six days, and the weather was great. The flows were big, so you had to wade fish, or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you had to fish out of a boat, yeah. and um, like we, we timed post runoff just about perfect, so those fish are just eating like crazy, right? <laughs> nice. Um, some big foam bugs, and um, caught some fish on the salmon fly, and... Got to spend much needed time with them. And yeah, you know how that is. Spending time with the family, fishing, you can't beat it. For sure. Six days. Hard work, you said. Were you grinding it, Matt? Oh my gosh, was I grinding it. (laughs) It was a grind. Did it pay off though? 
Did did your hard work pay off? It, it paid did your off. Hard work pay it off? paid off. Was it big, worth big it? Big payoff. It was worth go. it. And there you go. Yeah. No, it was. It was <laughs> physically. I wasn't in rowing shape. It, mm, that'll get you in rowing that, shape, that get, right? Yeah, it got me in yep. rowing shape. I got some sore traps. <laughs> there you go. Did you have like the grove out, like the family grove out of trout? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You saw you saw some of them. I have a bunch of right. eighteen to twenty-two inch fish that I can look at this I one. Can put look up. at this one. Yeah, look at that one. Look at this one. Somewhere in that 18 to 22 um, range. <laughs> Didn't measure them, but most of them were uh, whiskeys. And it was funny because one of my 19s looks bigger than my poor brother's 22. And only yeah. I know his was way bigger than my 18-inch The hold matters. Uh, championship hold. I hate to say it, but the hold matters, yeah. Hold matters. Talking the elbow. One other yeah. thing I learned, which is super weird. So everybody knows about the whole Yellowstone flood that's happened. Yeah. And so that was almost two weeks ago. Yeah. And the river's still chocolate mud, and we haven't had any rain wow. since then, and runoff is subsiding. And I was like, man, what's going on? And I talked to one of my good buddies, and yeah. he said there was so much disruption to the banks and sure. the trees that there's now just constant erosion. Sure. And the the stream, no one knows uh, when it's going to clear out. It's it's yeah. it's completely just continuing to erode. And I thought that was interesting. I never thought about that during a flood. And it's going to be a totally different river with the channels and everything else. Are probably going to, mm-hmm. or you're going to have houses for structure to fish. Yeah, off right. Now everyone's Oof. wondering yeah. where that yeah. house went. Yeah, that's uh, that's no it's joke. Under a bridge somewhere. Yep. Yeah, that's no joke, man. I've so been, you brought up the uh, the the night fishing episode though, <laughs> right? Yeah, the, uh, the grievances episode went over well. I expected yeah. to get. Did you get any hate mail? No hate mail. I honestly didn't. I didn't. I didn't get any hate mail. Amazing. Did people I, comment on the yeah. comedy aspect of it? Was it pretty funny? I don't know if it's comedy, but right. I mean, people, I it was pretty funny. Right. I we think. Liked it. Yeah. I think All people right. understood. Next grievance. People actually commented on that to me that they liked that. Um, nice. No, I thought it was fun, and uh, yeah, I think everybody. Seem to anyway take it for you know the way we meant it, right? Having sure. some fun with it. You got to have a little fun. Yeah, trying to have yeah. some fun with it, but also call out some things that are kind of absurd, right? I feel like after uh, after I was done, like the week after, I thought of like ten new ones that I should oh, yeah. have written down for like part you two, know, the sequel, part two coming up. That's right. Got to save them. It might have to be a yearly grievance episode. Yep, twenty twenty two grievance out of the way. Twenty twenty three. Spirit of Festivus. It's an annual event. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe we should do it the first day of P- the PA opener and Fishmas or something, oh, yeah. something like that. See, like we got all these ideas. Yeah. All right. So hey, it's been a couple of weeks since we fielded a listener question because we were busy. We were busy uh, grieving. <laughs> we were busy with grievances. <laughs> that didn't sound right. We were busy with grievances and uh, talking about night fishing. But here, let's get back to a listener question. Um, we have a lot of them, really. Uh, I think in an upcoming season, we'll have to just answer a whole bunch of them all at once. Maybe maybe do a whole episode with It'll listener questions. Cool. I know, yeah. right? It kind of be like freewheeling, like we did in season one, except uh, like with you know the listener questions leading us through. Hey, anyway, Josh, will you read this question, please? Yeah, so this comes in from Alaska through email, and this is from Bob Randolph. Hey, Trout and crew. Thanks for the podcasts. I spend a lot of time traveling up here, and I think I've listened to every episode three times by now. Love what you guys are doing. I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania, so hearing you guys talk about the area brings back some great memories. My question might be a common one, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. What tippet should I use? What are the factors that you all consider when choosing diameters and strengths, fluorocarbon or nylon? It's a good question. Who's got something helpful? 
Yeah. I did. let Dom do all the testing and then I wait. That's right. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, uh, Matt, you're the one who told me about Seagar and Visix. I know. And that's what I still use. Yep. <laughs> Yep. I was on Seagar Finesse, then they stopped making it, and I was all disappointed. Matt's like, that's all right. Moved to Invis. Yep. I broke my heart. You guys all use Invis? Oh, yeah. I use it. Yeah, I use it. Every day. I consider it 4.5X. Yeah. It is. It's right. You mic it out. That's what it is. That's right. right. I use the Brazex, and then I use the Orvis Tippet. Mm -hmm. Strength per diameter is the important thing. Sure. I use it every day. It's good stuff. Now, do you roll it onto a smaller spool? I do. do. I'm not carrying yeah. that big spool around. I think we all do right. that. You don't carry 100 yards on a tippet ring? <laughs> no, right. Yeah, I think what Bob's asking, maybe most, is like, not necessarily brand, but like, why do we choose flora over nylon, and how do we decide diameters? Anybody want to lead that? The biggest factor for me for diameter is the rod size that I'm fishing. Hmm. Because if I fish my five weight, which is very fast and very stiff, if I tend to fish anything less than 4x the velocity that i set the hook i often break fish off okay that's one of the leading factors for me so if i'm fishing a five weight that's really fast i'm probably not going to go below 4x i understand anybody else have a different way of deciding diameter yeah for me a little bit will depend upon what i want to do that day so if i want to switch back and forth between nymphing mm. and streamers i might fish 3x um, just to give myself a little bit more versatility there. Um, or two or four, it depends on the size of streamer I may fish. But if the and um, it also matters to me, the depth and speed of the water matters a little bit because I don't, mm. yeah. if I'm going to use lighter flies, I don't want to fight to get my flies down quickly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I'll, I'll drop tippet size sure. if I need to, to get the type of sink rate that I want. Because that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. 6X allows for so much quicker of a sink rate. Slices right through, yeah. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. And even it's a big difference between 5X and 6X. Yeah, for me, I kind of match the fly size to the tippet size. I don't like to be nymphing big size 10 stone flies, for example, on, well, certainly not 6X. I don't even like it on 5X. And I will go to that four or four and a half. But then again, I'm not going to fish a size 20 zebra midge on 4X. Right. Um, rarely anyway. And I'll usually go, that's one of the times when I will go down to six X. I like to think about what, how much can that fly flex at the tippet? How much flexibility, how much room to kind of wiggle and maneuver does it have? With six X, it moves a lot more than if it was kind of just hanging out there stiff on a cable <laughs> yeah. like with three X or four X. For me, that's the, I'd say that's my primary thought. That's the first thing I'm thinking about. Sure. For me, um, out here, especially right now, what dictates my diameter is a little bit of seasonality. So right now I have a yeah. very high rivers and clarity is an issue. And so I feel like these fish don't have much time to inspect much of anything. And yeah. so I'll get away with the thickest diameter. So I might throw a size 20 on a four X, but it's only for the next mm. like four weeks. And, and I'm not worried about what that fly, like, they might have a split second to react to that because the current's just ripping, right? And yeah, and the clarity's not there. So seasonality for me dictates the diameter I choose. That's cool. And I'll basically scale down as the season progresses. But right now I'm using thick, right? Why not? Like I'm not having any issues with catching. It's like I, I'll take the three and four X while I can. When I read Bob's question... I'm always thinking, what's the thickest tippet 
diameter that I can get away with? What's the strongest tippet mm. that I yeah. can get away with? Yep. And I do think that lots of people are thinking the opposite these days. Like, oh, what's the skinniest tippet I can get away with That's here? That's a good point. I'd rather be stronger. Sure. Fight the sure. fish harder. Be ready for that fish of a lifetime. If you're fishing yeah. the skinniest tippet you can, seven, eight X sometimes, you're probably not going to land the fish of a lifetime. Sure. And I don't really care about those 10 inch fish. I want to sure. land that 30 inch mythical beast that I'll probably oh, yeah. never hook, but maybe. And I'll be ready. One other thing too, I'm going to add onto, onto my point is I'm doing a lot of boat fishing right now and yeah. there's a ton of debris in the water. And so if I'm fishing four or five, like I'm breaking off those flies a lot more frequent yeah. than if I'm on three X right now, because then I can dislodge some of that stuff on the bottom. Yeah. Um, it just makes it easier, right? To remove some snags for me this time of year. It's one of the reasons we do that at night. We rope up, you know? Yeah, you because know, we'll get in the trees and right on the banks and it's in the dark. And we're just, boom, just pull it right out. Here it comes out. I've got a uh, kind of an interesting trick mm-hmm. for line diameters. And um, are you guys familiar with the rule of 11? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So the principle is if you want to figure out, let's say you're on the creek or, or just thinking things over in your head and you want to think about what, you know, how many thousands is my tippet uh, section. What you do is you take 11 and you subtract whatever the tippet size is. So let's say you have 5x. Take yeah. 11 minus 5. You're left with 6. Yep. 5x is six thousandths of an inch. Yeah, 0.06. Oh, oh, 006, sorry. That was some fast right. math, man. Jeez. <laughs> but it's, some, it's just something that Greg Hoover taught me. And, it is. Uh, I, never, cool. I never knew that, but it, does, cool. it does check out. Yeah, because that stuff's confusing at first, especially because it's 11 instead of 10. <laughs> You know, and <laughs> sure. I remember being very confused at first. Like, wait a second. Hell, I was confused with, wait a second, 2X is thicker than 3X? You know, yeah. it's one of those <laughs> right. things. It's like, wait, yeah. it's reversed. Uh, one more thing we should probably address. Does everybody use uh, fluorocarbon underneath? Yes. Yes. Yep. And so I use nylon on top. Does everybody else do that or do you stay with fluoro? I use nylon. I use nylon on top as well. Depends. 80% of the time. Huh. If I'm yeah, sure. There are definitely times when I'm not going to switch and I'm going to make a change fast. Mm-hmm. If I'm using the mono rig, I won't put nylon on because I'm not going to lay the tippet on the water. If I'm going to fish fly line and make longer cast, then I'm going to put nylon on. Yep. Agree. Like I build my Harvey leaders with nylon. Uh, I like the flexibility. Again, I can get more S curves and slack in nylon. It's just a softer material. It also doesn't sink like fluoro will. But I do think it's overblown. And heck, if you really care about your fluoro, tip it if you want to use it you could put a little bit of grease on it if you wanted you could keep it floating but i use fluorocarbon underneath for the abrasion resistance i understand it sinks a little quicker yes and it is i i believe them when they say that the refractive index is less and that the fish don't see it as much but i don't think trout are very tippet shy anyway i use it for the abrasion resistance underneath yeah i would agree with that stuff i remember that was the big like when i first when fluorocarbon first came out you know, I was in high school, like the big thing was like, oh, this is invisible. The fish can't see it. <laughs> right. Well, then why are you making it in different sizes? <laughs> well, yeah. That's, one way. yeah. Great. That's, that's a funny point. That's right. <laughs> I'd go back to the flexibility of it, but no. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty thorough answer to Bob's question, right? Anything else? Yeah, I think, I think to your point, Tom, we covered it pretty well. The only thing I'll add too is, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're on a budget, 
Yeah. And, you know, those big spools we order from Invis and, and Seaguar or whatever, you know, yeah. obviously that's a lot cheaper than constantly going to the fly shop and yeah. buying, you know, 30 meter spools yes. of brand name stuff. I mean, that stuff adds up. So, no, Bob, does. if you're, if, if you're budget conscious, yeah. um, an economical way to approach that is to look at that Seaguar or some of that. What would you even call that, Dom? That's kind of not like mainstream no. fly fishing tippet. Right. I, um, but spinning. it's more than adequate. I mean, right. it's it's very good. It's adequate. A lot of us use it. And then you re-spool right old, old tippet spools and there you have it. No one can tell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wrote a full article on that because you can't just, uh, you really can't just walk into Dick's Sporting Goods and buy any uh, fluorocarbon off the shelf because it really is about strength per diameter. And you can't really believe what's printed on the label. Not from any of these fly fishing companies and not from any of the, uh, let's say, spin fishing companies. You have to mic it out. And you need to do some brake strength tests yourself. And you're going to find a uh, tippet that knots well for you. And all of these things matter. And mm-hmm. some of the spin, honestly, most of the spin fishing line, I would not use. Um, but yeah, there's some special ones out there. And what we've mentioned here is Seaguar Invisex. I think a number of us use that in the four pound. And I treat it again as my four and a half X and it's excellent stuff. I actually prefer it over almost all of the other fly fishing brands. Anything lower though, like five X, six X, I hardly ever use seven X, but anyway, I'm using fly fishing brand. Yeah. Imagine if someone put as much time, thought and effort into designing fishing apparel as you put into finding fish. Well, someone did. Squala fly fishing builds waders, jackets, shirts, and pants so well-designed, dependable, and comfortable, you hardly notice them. When you're wearing Squala, you're never hot or wet or unreasonably cold, so you can focus on more important things, like fishing. They don't make gear for everybody. They make gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squalafishing.com. Then use the code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your first order from Squala. For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality angling solutions designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Smith Creek's award-winning rod clip attaches to your vest and grips a variety of rod sizes, freeing up your hands to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide-tough, using high-quality materials like anodized, marine-grade aluminum and UV-resistant nylon. For a limited time, Trout Bitten customers can save 10% off select Smith Creek products like rod clips, rod racks, and net holsters. Just visit the Smith Creek official store on Amazon.com and apply the discount code 10SMITHCREEK at checkout. That's the number 10, followed by Smith Creek. All right, so here we go. The Versatile Angler. Uh, we talk about this a lot, right? Through these podcasts over a couple seasons, we've talked about being versatile. And I've published full articles about it. Uh, because for all of us, I think I speak for all of us, having a handle on all of these tactics, all of the flies, all of the presentations is the way we approach this game. Am I right about that? Do we all value versatility? Oh, yeah. This is my 100%. favorite. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I like to catch fish. <laughs> like that's right. <laughs> like to catch different em. ways. Yes, because they like to eat different ways, right? For sure. So let's start with this. Um, is versatility the opposite of specialization? You know what I mean? 
Yes. Uh, I don't know. I get your point, kind of. I think it depends. I, it depends on how you. Yeah, go ahead. Define specialization because I think, mm-hmm. I think the monorig is a specialized system, but one that allows the most versatility. So I think it just depends on how you define it. Neat. Or specialized in versatility. Yeah, it's specialized <laughs> in versatility. That's good. What's a Swiss Army knife, right? It's a specialized type of knife. Mm-hmm. It's the best at doing everything. Wow. Except for it's not the best at doing almost anything. <laughs> he's, he's so smart. <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, yeah. Trevor, actually, I, I was kind of thinking something similar. You know, if, if yeah. we're out fishing and we have a mono rig on, to us, it's a very versatile tool and we know how to use it really well. Yeah, And if we go totally. upstream and we hand our versatile tool to someone who's never used it, mm. they're probably going to think it's incredibly specialized. Yeah, And they may have yes. a different rod set up. They may have a different leader set up that to wow. them, they can efficiently catch fish in lots of different ways. Mm. So it doesn't really matter. And you know, we're not saying if, if you don't fish our way, you're not versatile. It's, really it's, not. it's learning how to use your own tools and still be efficient, catch fish, and, and be able to do it multiple ways. I think that's a really good point. When I first started fly fishing, I nymph fished and tight lined, and I did all that without the mono rig. Sure. And I still caught a good number of fish. I'm sure you did. But then when you do bring in the mono rig, it does do some of those things better. Sure. Nice. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to catch fish. Oh, yeah. And the way you catch more fish is by providing a drag free drift most of the time, right? And so the mono rig allows you to do a drag free drift better than a lot of different systems. So I think we've all embraced that, but there are certain, you know, you can't just stop at that. I think there's other situations that if you want to catch fish on any given day, you need to be good at throwing fly line. Oh, for sure. On certain, on certain sure. days you need to understand maybe some sink tip leader, you know, if I'm fishing a lake, you know, just stuff like that. I yeah. think be open-minded and if your goal is to catch as many fish as you as you can, um, that should keep you progressing towards learning new hmm. new things, and and that will allow you to be versatile. When I think of specialty, I I personally think of like just nymphing. That's my or just fishing streamers. Yeah, right. That's kind of where like oh, I'm a special. Like some guys love. Yeah dry fly fishing in there that's their specialty mm-hmm. and some guys love nymph fishing and that's their specialty that's what comes to mind for mm-hmm. me when i think a specialty mm-hmm. specialization too austin you brought this point up not too long ago i forget in which podcast you said if you're so specialized in your tools meaning like a fly rod and the leader if you're so specialized in those tools you're limiting yourself and you might try to be versatile but those tools really won't let you do it, no matter how yeah. good your tactics might get. You know what I mean? Yeah, you said it. Yeah, yeah, good yeah point. absolutely. That's a good point. And Matt, what you were saying there is like, learn it all. You know, for me, that's what I realized. It really, it is. It's the reason I fly fish. However the trout want to eat, I can show them that food form with a fly rod. I realized that right away. That is honestly why I moved away from fishing minnows on a, on a spinning rod. And Oh, right away, I realized there was a lot to learn. But, well, I guess I also realized I couldn't learn it all at once. So I really did focus on dry flies because I think everybody kind of does. Well, that's not true. These days, a lot of people get into it. They're a streamer guy right away or they're, they're fishing nymphs right away. Whatever. I got into it through dry flies and on small streams. And boy, I was in the trees a lot. That was okay. I eventually got through it. 
And yeah, then I started fishing streamers and then I started fishing nymphs. Uh, and then I went to nymphs on an indie and whatever. You learned it all. Now, I mean, I can use it all. Yeah. Reminds me of when I was playing saxophone. Just thought of this. I had a uh, teacher, really good teacher, who told me like, oh, you need to learn these scales. You need to learn these fingering patterns. You need to learn all of this music theory. And then you're going to just forget about all of that and you're just going to play. And yeah. that's kind of how I'm out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how, how I'm out there now. It took years, really. Well, sure. le- years to learn those skills on a saxophone and then years to learn these skills on a fly rod. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. that. That's how I feel when it, I'm out there. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to force any square peg in a round hole. Whatever works for the moment. Yeah. And I can be versatile because we'll talk about it in a little bit because of the way uh, my system is ready to just sure. switch to this, switch to that within a minute or two. Right. And if you fish, if you fish year round, sun yeah. up to sundown, right? You're gonna you're gonna walk away at some point with your head down because you didn't. If you're not versatile, you're gonna you're gonna get stumped. Yeah. Right. And that's part of what drives us. But if you're versatile, you start learning those different techniques and maybe the different ways to approach fish. And that that all molds into this versatility piece that we're gonna talk about here. Yeah, right on. Dom, how did you go about going through each of those styles of fishing? Did you kind of just devote yourself to one thing at a time for a couple weeks, a couple months, a year? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, At first, I wasn't thinking about it so much. I was uh, learning to fish dry flies because that's what I wanted to do. I saw rising trout around me. And so for those first few years, I'd fish dries in the same streams that I always had fished. And it was working. And when it wouldn't work, I'd fish streamers. I thought I'd be a really good streamer guy because I was pretty good at minnows. And some of it converted, (laughs) but then I realized how much more I had to learn. Dom, did anything have Mm -hmm. to drive you? Like, was it the season that you were fishing at that point? Were you fishing all year or were you just fishing the traditional, you know, prime eight weeks. No, right. I didn't winter fish back then, but I fished pretty late into the fall. I remember when people were hunting, like when my uncle was hunting, I'd still be fishing. And early in the season, well, like, you know, for opening day or whatever. Yeah. I was, I was right back at it. And you know what? I was still throwing dry flies when I have the fly rod for a while there for the first couple of years, I was still back and forth. I would use the spinning rod when I thought it was the best tool and then the fly rod. What really opened things up for me though, and Josh more to your point is when I started nymphing. And then that's when I started reading Joe Humphrey's stuff. And I started understanding tight lining. Like I got into nymphing through tight lining, not through indicator styles. Uh, that's when I said, all right, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to learn next. And yeah, I very much focused on that. And that was when I did start to try to learn one thing at a time. And I remember there'd be rising trout around me, but I'd still stay underneath. And uh, yeah. I had the confidence to do that because I remember in a video, tr- Joe Humphrey's saying, if they're rising, you still stay underneath. The biggest trout are still underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And then, you know, through the years, then I added the indie. I learned to do that. Did full mono rig stuff. Really dedicated a lot of years to that. And then there was a full year where I uh, fished streamers because I felt like that was the gap in my game. And, uh, and then we've, you know, I did the night fishing thing for a long time too. I said the one thing I would say is with the streamers, when I really got into that and really fishing streamers out of a boat, I learned a lot of information about sink tips and yeah. intermediate line. Like all that stuff really starts to matter. Yeah. When you're fishing out of a boat, when you're fishing bigger rivers, that was the, the phase that I went through was like 
fishing out of a boat with streamers and I don't know, I guess I've gone full circle and I was really trying to dial in the, the different types of lines, the different yeah. weights, um, the sink rates and all of that stuff. I, I wanted to dial all that in and now I've kind of gone full circle and said, okay, well, some of that stuff really matters at times, but there's a lot of times it doesn't matter as much. Sure. Right on. Most times it depends on the river you're fishing more yeah. than anything else. And it's nice now that you have that to fall back on and to build new ideas from, you know, I think yeah. that's the coolest thing about learning something new in this game is now you have uh, a new set of, a new set of ideas that you can sort of build your own style on and solve your own problems because you understand about those sinking lines, for example. Yeah. Exactly. So Bill, you kind of mentioned up like, or you mentioned right there, different styles of gear and different styles of, you know, rigging. Do you think we need a lot of gear in order to be versatile or can we do a lot of things with, you know, minimal equipment? I think you can catch fish if you took 40 flies and a standard fly line and went out and fished every day. I still think mm -hmm. if you present it, like you'd be limited, but if you're a good fisherman, I think you could still catch at least three quarters of the amount of fish that someone else that would have, you know, all the gear and all the ability sure. to change everything mm -hmm. most days. Yeah. But I think the difference, like this, the difference between that and what I think I see and what we're talking about is just the versatility, right? Because we can all, I think all of us have the goal to develop our individual skill in each type of fishing to the point that we can take dry flies out, we could take dry dropper out, we could take nymphing out, we can take streamer fishing out and have some success on the water. But yeah. the, the real fun in developing yourself as a versatile angler is getting out on the water, walking into the water and standing there and looking around at your conditions and saying, okay, I have this tool in my hand that, that allows me to be versatile enough to match the conditions that I'm finding myself in. And then you go about fishing and then responding to what the fish are doing and meeting them on their own terms rather than saying, I'm choosing out of my limited options this one style of fishing, and then I'm mm. going to try to make the fish bend to me, you know? Yeah, nice. So much of the fun, I think, for us is this chess match or that, and and the mm. the more skilled you are at each of those individual tools, it just gets more and more fun. What do you think is the most versatile tool? Meaning, is it, what's Ooh. the most important thing for a versatile angler? Is it the rod? It's not the reel. Is it the line or the leader? Whew. It's the rod and the line. I think it's knowledge. <laughs> knowledge. Yeah. There you go. I that's, do. I think you start good. off with that yeah. first. Like nice. it, I think you Fair. you need yeah. to understand stuff mm -hmm. and conditions. What what Trevor was just saying and how to where adapt. you're at. Yeah. Right. How where are you, you at? Adapt. What time of year? Yeah. You know what? What's your goal for the day? That's like, nice. is is the goal to catch fish? Because if the goal is to catch fish, then it's like, okay, what tools do I need mm -hmm. to catch those fish? Which is then it goes down into your question that you just posed, Dom. Like, mm -hmm. as far as gear, though, well, yeah, yeah. What am I sitting on the bank with? Like, if I'm going to a new stream and it's in the middle of May in Central Pennsylvania and I've mm -hmm. never fished it, what's the most versatile setup? Yeah, that the six of us utilize. And I think if I was going, I'd have the mono rig with the Harvey leader that I could swap in. Right pretty Both. quickly that those two things yeah. would be one and two yeah. hands Same down here. no questions asked yeah. right on so leader 
Yeah, I so think the, it's leader. the leader. Yeah, yeah, but, I totally agree with that. I think the leaders, the leader for me, answering my own question, I think it's <laughs> the leader. And then, boy, I want that fly rod to also be able to handle a lot of different things. They're both really yeah. important. Josh, you got something? Well, I was, yeah, I was just going to say like a middle of the line fly rod, like yeah. like middle of the line in length, so maybe nine feet. I mean, if you're if you're going to choose something that can do absolutely everything, maybe ten feet. You right. know, ten for but, me. So, what do you guys think is the most versatile fly rod weight? That's tough to say because it depends on where you are, what what type of fish you're fishing for. But here, for me, for I think most of us, it's ten foot four weight for me. Yeah, it, it, close to that in length, nine yep. and a half, mm-hmm. ten feet. I'm fishing the same thing, and but I did have, I mean, for years. I mean, it was just, uh, gosh, like two years ago that I switched over to a from a five weight to a four weight. Yeah, and the five weight was excellent too. Like, same, you can do a lot with a five weight also. Yeah, yeah, I still I also think five. there's. There's not like a one standard for, I think there's a lot of variability within brands or between brands, I should say. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think the more skilled, the four weight requires some more skill personally than a five weight. I think a five weight allows you to be a little more sloppy with fighting fish hey, now. And, and and getting them in. (laughs) I I do. I think when you get a, I think when you get a four weight, it takes a little more skill to land a bigger fish. And to and to keep them out. Well, of, you're in the fish landing phase. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, if you put a beginner on a four weight, I see I see them lose a lot more fish. Mm. They just have more trouble fighting the fish, in my opinion, than a five weight that has a little more backbone. Yeah, that's just me. That's just an an observation. Yeah, I Maybe fair. I've seen sloop slooping too many fish. <laughs> he, mm. he makes oh. it into every podcast. <laughs> He's so popular. If I can choose, I'm going to take a four. But if I'm given the option of a three or a five, I'm going to take a five. Ooh, that's a good mm, point nice. for me. Mm. I agree with that. Good call. Yep. More yeah. versatility. Boy, I'm not yeah, fishing yeah. a two weight and calling it versatile. You know what I mean? That's not yeah, a versatile sure. rod. And it's I'm a care. specialized rod. Yeah. Talent that's, doesn't that's matter. That's for doing one thing. Yeah. It is. It's pretty much for doing one one or two things very specialized. And that is not a versatile tool. I Most of the three weights are not versatile tools. There are some stiffer three weights, but not many of them. And uh, I'm not even talking about for fighting fish. I'm talking about for how you can present the fly, how many different types of flies you can present. And yeah, even just how many different ways you can nymph. You know, the other day, guy asked me, how many different ways do you nymph out here? Because we did about four or five of them. You know, uh, we, I'm not going to run through them. And I, I, I started thinking about it and I went, I added it up and I went seven. I said, there's seven, seven different ways. ways that I nymph. And yeah, I mean, that's being versatile. We, we're saying, oh, I nymph and I streamer fish and I dry fly fish. So I'm versatile. But yeah, even within nymphing, there's like seven different ways that I do it. I'm sure there are more than that, but I like, being versatile, right? That's what we're talking about. A lot of different ways to present nymphs. And anyway, you're not going to do all seven of those ways. You're really not on a two weight, but you can absolutely do all of those seven ways on a four weight and a five. Yeah. So I guess the next thing is we have to talk about pack versus vest and <laughs> and hash it out here. <laughs> Bill's the expert because he's owned everything on the market. I, I do. I, I think New I have pack probably- out. <laughs> I think I have 20 packs and vests combined probably just sitting in my garage right now. Yeah. Bill, you really should problem. start like a, a gear review page. I know. Yeah, he, seriously, we're not joking. <laughs> a new I pack comes that. out and Bill's like, oh, yeah. 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 He'll give us a gear review today. Mm-hmm. I, I gave you a gear review today. It was not yeah. a good one. <laughs> See, um, I think the carrying system has to be the least 
the least important because yeah, it's what's in it's what's in the right. system, and it's it's your ability to use it or to switch yeah. quickly. I don't care if it's a vest or a pack or I could have like a junior park ranger vest and still fish <laughs> the same way as a here. fish pond <laughs> chest pack. Right? Yeah. If the gear, if the stuff in it's the same, I'm yes. as I'm as versatile as I was with with an expensive if chest. You pack know over. where your gear is, and you have thought out your system, and you know that you can get to your next leader and put it on in a minute. Great, and it doesn't matter if it's a hip pack or a sling pack, and we all have our opinions on that. And there's th- certain ones of those that I just hate, but that's me. Whatever, I'm with Matt on that. That's what matters is your ability to use it and to to have thought it through. That's it. Now, That's being versatile. It, right. Is being efficient. But, when we talked think, about that in a previous podcast. I do think the ability to be comfortable mm-hmm. while you're fishing is a huge benefit. Like I sure. right now I'm starting to switch back over to one of my chest. fifteen vests. One of my yeah. Go <laughs> get a new one. Now actually in the summertime when it gets really hot, I prefer the hip packs over the vest because yeah. I'm not um, going to be wading over it anyway. Yeah. I'm more hip pack with a lanyard right now. Yeah. He's a lanyard guy. I'm a lanyard guy now. I like the guy. I like saying that. I even, I even made one too, you know, I'm all in. You got beads on it? Probably like braided up some paracord. I, I made one that I've got beads I did, on. I braided up some paracord. It's Camo. Like, yeah. yeah. It's the hippie no, coyote brown. carrying system. I made it, I made it really bright so it would spook all the fish. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by fly fishing team USA angler Devin Olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a urinymphing rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. So with all that fun stuff in in your vest, whether it's a junior park ranger vest or a, <laughs> a chest pack, to me, one of the more important things from the versatility standpoint is is knowing when to change. And I think mm. we get that. Yes. If I had to pinpoint one super important thing as an angler, if I was talking to a beginner angler, it's like, look, I see a lot of guys just content. How many times do we see them just throwing the same thing in that same hole and they attribute the slowness to the weather or, you know, we could, we all, we've talked about that countless times on the podcast this season, but knowing when to change tactics 
is really important, right? And, yeah. and maybe it's yeah. a different, maybe it's swinging that nymph or, you know, putting on that dry fly or, or looking at that rise and knowing it's an emerger rise as opposed to a mayfly rise, yeah. all that stuff, right, guys? I mean, that's that's pretty yeah. important. Yeah. And being, being a one-trick pony, like if you can only do one thing, you're doing yourself an incredible disservice out there. Yeah. Because you're also limiting yourself to to learning even just trout behavior. So, oh no, they're not eating my tight line nymphs. Guess I won't catch fish today. Yeah. Now, if you can't put on a streamer, if you can't put on a, a dry fly, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, there there could be fantastic fishing in front of you and you have no idea. Yeah. I think we've yeah. all experienced that where, oh, nymphing's dead. Oh, they're eating a streamer really aggressively. This day all of a sudden turned Right, around. or tight line nymphing is dead right now. So let's throw it under an indie. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. Definitely. That completely changes the presentation in many ways. And Dom, elaborate on that because I feel like I tried explaining that to somebody the other day as far as like tight line tactics. It's a short drift, right? Right, yeah. yeah. And so just what, what, what's your reasoning behind switching to the indie and, mm. and having that change? Like yeah. what's, what goes through your head? I'll tell you the two main reasons I'll switch to an indie. The first one is be, if I can't uh, wade into great position to track those flies directly to my rod tip in one seam, um, so let's say if I can't wade over so that I'm only casting over 10 or 12 feet, then I'm going to throw an indie on so I can get the indie to lead the flies down one, one seam instead of my rod tip. That is extremely important to understand. A dead drift is in one seam. If you cross seams, it's no longer a dead drift. We've been through that a lot in so many podcasts, and I've written so many articles on it. It is absolutely the number one thing that I see when I'm guiding People throw out their 15 or 20 feet across stream, and yes, upstream, mm, yeah. but then that fly will land in one seam and track all the way across. By the time they pull it out, it's, it traveled across five seams. No nymph does that. No real nymph does that under there. So it's and not they got like And they got like drift. three yeah. or four feet of actually one seam. You right. Know? If that, yeah. right? If and that, so, right. If I can't wade into position to get my rod tip where it should be to lead the flies through one seam, I throw an indie on. If it's windy and I'm getting that leader, that cider, everything's just a sail and acting like a sail and just getting pushed around, I'll throw an indie on. Um, sometimes if I just want to get a drift that looks different because, well, let's put it this way. An indicator can do the job of leading down one seam better than we ever can. I mean truly tracking through one seam better than any of us ever can. That's my belief, okay? And I'll use that to my advantage. Now, if we take tight line principles over to the indicator, that's a really deadly system. And I know all of us here do that. On a tight line, we throw the indie. We actually have a full podcast on that in season one. And taking those tight line principles over to an indicator system allows us to also then vary the speed of that indie. Hmm. Mm. We, sort of, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to dig too deep into it, but those are a few yeah. reasons. <laughs> and you know that, right? You do the same things, Matt. I'll say, the, well, I'll say one more thing. As that indicator's on the water surface, let's say you got a little bit of a rocky surface. You know, let's say not real heavy water, but just a little uh, riffle mm -hmm. where that indie goes up a little bit, a couple inches in and down, up and down. And if it's yeah. tight with the flies underneath, which is what I want, let's say it's tight with the nymph underneath, then it's going up and down, up and down, gradually, naturally, and in a way that I've never really, I don't think I very effectively can simulate with my rod tip. Sure. No matter how hard I try. It's a very tantalizing yeah. look, I think. Those are three or four reasons why I'll throw the indie on and why I, I think it is an absolutely different presentation 
than what we can yeah. do on a tight line. At surface level, right, there's a downside to that because if you're, yeah. let's say you're not using a mono rig and you're using a fly line and you're laying fly, a line on the water, then you yes. can't control the speed of that indicator like you were talking about. And if Agreed. that's the case, then those flies can't truly slow down to the speed of that that bottom column against Unless the, you're you know, really good zone. at mending. Right. right. If, if you can exactly. keep the tension off the indie. Even then, you're going to get some influence some, because yeah. the, that indicator is has a much larger surface area and it is yes. going to drag the flies in some sort of speed lead manner. Yep. You know, even if it's not much, but as soon as you switch over to something like a, like a long leader, like the mono rig, mm-hmm. then you have some control over the actual speed of the indicator yep. and then you get the benefits without the drawbacks. Yep. So that's how we can be versatile. Just even within nymphing is, you know, you throw the indie on, you mm. change everything. Yep. Many was, different ways to do yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. I, I took my friend Riley out fishing this past weekend and yep. it, it was, it reminded me of the uniqueness of our versatility because he isn't very experienced with a versatile system like this, but yeah, we cycled through uh, nymphing tight line to the indicator to tight line nymphing and then streamers all mm-hmm. within about 10 minutes and caught wow, fish yeah. on each style. Fantastic. And he was just sort of floored, you know, yeah. just kind of it. And it was, you know, it, it didn't hurt that I threw a streamer on in the first cast, a big fish Bam. came up and hit it in a very visible way. And so he was like, man, this is cool to see how you can sort of cycle through in a natural way. And we were talking earlier about, you know, switching if they're on this, you know, style versus this style. But I honestly, for me, I think there are almost always some fish to be found on each style. And if you can get better and better, um, Bill has taught me a ton about just like using streamers as part of my natural progression through a river and um and that i think has oftentimes brought more trout even into focus that i wouldn't have had an opportunity at before because i'm just more willing to cycle through it more quickly and and not see it as like oh well they're not they're not on a tight line approach so i'm gonna switch to the indicator Mm -hmm. but kind of like see what's available on each approach and and use them all and and in doing so maybe catch more fish altogether I like how you said using the streamer, you know, uh, how'd you say it, Trevor? Sorry. Um, using the streamer, I don't know, as part of, part of kind of my progression yeah. through a section of river. Well, it almost is like the type of fish that are going to eat that streamer. I'm thinking about certain types of bank lies or certain types of structure points. And mm-hmm. it's almost to, to avoid those points because of the difficulty of tight line nymphing those particular holding spots would almost be a shame, you know, and at least Mm. now that I'm doing it more often, I think back to how many times I haven't effectively fished sections Mm. of river because I've just, I've been like, well, where's the good tight lining water, you know, and where, where can I get my tight line nymphs, you know, the right approach or, you you know, but then you add the streamer in, you add even a dry dropper into that. And all of a sudden different things become possible to you. It's pretty cool. You're calling these things like a natural progression. And I, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's that uh, goes back to the idea, like I was saying, you just kind of forget about it all and you just start, well, hey, let me do this. Hey, this makes sense. And it is. It's very natural to us. And you have to be willing to change. If you want to be a versatile angler, you have to be willing to make those changes. So, boy, we've talked about it. You better be efficient. Okay. You want to tie knots and you want to have stuff uh, laid out in your vest or your pack and you're ready to make those changes. You know you're not going to waste time. This isn't going to take you long. You have to be willing to change, able to change. And then I say, have a good reason 
for your next change. Not That's just cool. like, yeah. not just like, oh, guess, oh, maybe a, a dry dropper would work here. No, why would it work here? Right. 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 Absolutely. That's awesome. I think that's a good point because I think my biggest thing for changing is often the water type and just how I see the river. And yeah. over uh, some years of experience, I'll often be like, okay, well, I think this section is going to be good to tight line. And then this section may be good to indicator fish. And then, okay, well, I know there's a big log jam up here. And I might I throw a nymph or two through it a couple times. But I know that if there's a big fish in there, I'm not leaving there until yeah. I throw a streamer at it and to be able to be versatile, to do all three of those for those different things, you know, within 20 yards of 30 yards of a yeah. river and not, not having the ability to do that quickly and to adapt will reduce your wantingness to do it. If, huh. if, yeah. If, right. If, yeah. if you're if just it's not easy, easy, you won't yeah. do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it keeps your head in the game too, right? So, mm. you know, how many times we've been out fishing and, and the tight lining or whatever we're doing is slow and we get in a rut and, you know, maybe we even zone out and we get sloppy. Yeah. The ability to switch back between different tactics and styles of fishing that are both active and maybe, you know, more subtle or mm. um, any of those things, it really keeps us interested and engaged yeah. throughout the yeah. day. And that's that, good, I mean, it's more yeah, about having point. fun. That's a great benefit sure. to being a versatile angler. It keeps Definitely. your head in the game. Change yeah. something. Yeah. I used to change cider types, just the type of cider. I used to use a braided cider and a mono, mono cider. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Many different types of ciders I had in my vest just so I could change it. And not even that they were all that different, but it would refocus me. And what you're saying there, yeah. Austin, is you're just using tactics, different tactics to refocus you and to have fun. Yeah. Like Pretty a newfound cool. hope in each time, yeah. each cycle. Hope. Yeah. Yes. And as much as, you know, Dom, you alluded to at some point in your career, it does become natural. Some yeah. of this stuff, like without having to think too hard, we naturally just engage ourselves to change tactics and whatnot. And the cool thing about fly fishing is no matter how long you've been doing it, there's always situations that can dumbfound you. And, and yeah. as versatile as you can, you think you are, the stream throws a, you know, a curveball at you. Right. Yeah. And, and I had it happen this, this past week when we were fishing a, a tailwater. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I'm pretty versatile. I've been fly fishing for 29 years and I got into a situation where I wasn't, I was outmatched by, something that we all agree that we don't do too much, but realistic patterns, right? That's one of those mm. versatile things we don't talk about too much. But if up top, I was, yeah, up top, mm -hmm. I was in a yeah. situation where they were keying in on an emerging bug and the naturals were out there and I didn't yeah. have the right imitation and they wouldn't take a cat skill. Yeah. They wouldn't take a parachute. They wanted a clink hammer. Yeah. And my mm. brother was drilling them and he's all into that, right? And sometimes yeah. I'll joke and say, why are you spending all that time you know, tying all these <laughs> and, and then he just threw it in my face because he was drilling fish, right? Good and, for and him. My, and my state, <laughs> not, I'm, yeah. and he's, he showed me up and, yep. and he was like fishing it. a bunny, you know, a bunny emerger pattern. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of his training grounds are from some central PA limestoners that are really, if you target those rising fish, sometimes they can, they can be challenging, right? And so I like that versatility yeah. comes into some some patterns too. Even as much as we say we're generalists, yes, there's always situations where you you get stumped, you know. 
my latest for kind of solving that uh, surface difficulty, I guess, those picky fish, is uh, the mole fly. Have you guys used that? Mole fly. I learned yeah. it from Charlie Craven. I don't know if it's his, his pattern. I've heard of it. Right. It's cool. It's just super simple. It's just another emerger. The only thing that keeps it floating is the CDC. What's underneath is, you know, a dubbed hook. And it's got a little bit of uh, flash mixed into that CDC, just so you can see it. Man, it's pretty I've, cool. It's the latest like my, edition. Yeah. I feel like if I can't figure out what a fish is eating, I'm going to throw a size 18 comparison at it. And you'll just keep moving too, Bill. That's what yeah. I've always admired about you. And as like, long as it's not as long as fish. it's not a big fish. Well, <laughs> right. okay. okay. I'm gonna tip yeah. my hat and say, All right, you win today and I'll go find the <laughs> dumb brother around the corner. Honest to God, I was out guiding today. And uh because of the podcast, guys that I'm guiding will often bring you guys up. And a guy brought up you, Bill. And he said, uh, that guy sounds like he covers a lot of water and you know, just moves on because he was fishing dries. And I was saying, like we're prospecting with these dries. We don't see many risers and we'd go for 20 minutes and not see any rises. And I said, you're prospecting. You cannot try to force feed them right now. And then he mm-hmm. brought you up. He said, oh, I guess that Bill guy, I should, I should feel, fish more like Bill. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> like, you can't just take one part of a guy's system and expect to, like what makes all of that work for Bill is that he always covers a lot of water. I mean, like always, mm-hmm. I've never fished with you, Bill, and really been able to keep up with your pace. And I like that. That's cool. That's like, I think, one of your identifying traits, fishing traits. You're covering yeah. water, man. You know? <laughs> it's personality. Yeah, you, you the angler type. About, yeah. You guys <laughs> talked yeah, The fast guy. The, uh, fast and you guy. guys talked about the night fishing, and you said like 500 yeah. yards in a night. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> that's, like, that's like 30 minutes. What are you guys I know doing? Thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, get moving. Yeah. The guy, you, next, next time you guide him, he's going to be in a different vest. Because he's going to be like Bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It's good to get, keep changing. Well, Bill, to your point, you might do really great at night for that reason. Because you'd be more willing to just put Move. it over as many fish as you can find. Yeah. I fished, uh, <laughs> I've night fished a couple times, and the times that I've done it, I bet you I've covered a half mile river mm-hmm. in a couple hours. I will say, I, when I was really night fishing a lot, I was, I started to do that. I was like, well, I'm going to do it like I would in the daytime and just cover water, more fish, more fish. And I started catching fewer. I think there was just something about, well, we talked about it last week. There's a certain style of water that that seems to produce and so much of yeah. it doesn't yeah. produce. So much of the yeah. other stuff doesn't. Yeah. And yeah, I found myself walking more than fishing and everything. I don't know, but I would love for you to get into a bill and you, yeah. we would all hmm, learn a lot. Hmm. Same we as anybody sure here. Anybody here, Matt, sure. if you ever want to stop being a, Hey, now. I'm looking for those night vision goggles. I need to look for big big moose antlers. Oh, man. And and the 45 on your back. And the 45 on my back. Honestly, I think I'm going to try to do... um, 10 bear bells. I'm going to try to get Sloop (laughs) Sloop to do it with me when he comes back from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Because you can do... We can do some stuff within the... Within the city limits, that's that's gonna yeah. be fine. And You're so, not get attacked by a I want to. Tr- I just want to try it one or two nights, and 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 then we Let's can download. Yeah, we can download from there. Yeah, I can't wait for those stories. Never look back. Yeah, as long as you bring. Or, sleep, or I'll never, story. I'll never, never come back again. on the podcast. <laughs> never and I'll be in the paper. <laughs> All right. I'll say in season three, episode fourteen, just that provoked me to lose my life in Montana because I tried to <laughs> night fish. 
<laughs> you might catch uh, the biggest trout of your life before. I that, could though. though. That's true. Yeah. I know this isn't about knife fishing, but the point that you guys were just making, we kind of proved true the last last week. Trevor and I were talking about it and we're like, we really should just try covering more water. Yeah. Because and and we made Sometimes. this claim unknowingly. We were like, because you know, how likely is the fish to take it on like the the eighth or ninth drift through the same exact spot? Mm. And then that night, because we were we were talking about that on the way out there and and that night it was like multiple times we had we had strikes or takes or or catches, you know, like on the 10th, 11th, 12th yeah, drift to the same sure. spot because because one of the things you do have to do is if you're not causing a lot of surface disruption, you have to put it right in front of them sometimes. Yeah, and, and so there there's a down there's a downside yeah. to covering a lot of water for sure. I think some fish roam at night too, and so if you're moving and they're moving, you're kind of both operating on different variables. I don't know that our bank fish are are moving quite as much, but I think you know I read back like even Bashline's book about fishing at night he's so oftentimes standing in one place and cycling yeah, through different right, styles and flies right. and then he finds what works you know and so i think the more you change sometimes at night the harder it is to zero in on on what's going to work we talk about fishing 10 or 15 or 20 drifts almost in the same spot but yeah. we've also acknowledged that we've had fish eat or, or hit five six seven times and Boy, that eighth time, bam! They finally ate it. Yeah, so they're finally yeah. get a hold. Yeah. They're perhaps more forgiving, more interested, more. Re- they're certainly more willing to be repeated. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. Because and it goes, it flies in the face of my typical adage in the day, which is brown trout give you one chance, and and right. once they do, you're done, right? Right. So not move true on. At night. Yep. Yeah. Not true at night. Even in the daytime, though, there are days where you have to sit there and you have to pound a run, and I feel like yeah. it's like an average of 20 casts before you can get that fish to eat, whether he's just, maybe there's a bunch of food. I, I, I see it a lot of times with hatches. If there's a bunch of food, the fish is not going to move hardly at all. And Bill, I do think your mindset, too, I, I agree with it on streamers, at least if you mm. still think this way, that the first cast has to be the best. Matters most, yeah. Yeah. So maybe on yeah. like nymphing or, uh, you know, some variation of that, you can kind of work through it and, and offer a lot of presentations. I think yeah. the opposite is true for, for streamer fishing during the daytime, at least. Agreed. Yeah. It can, I think it can be that way with dry flies too. First cast matters most. Right on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very true. And yet with nymphing, I often, I was saying this to the guy today, I think of it as a top-down approach. I'll work my way down that first that right first on. cast, those first two casts, whatever. I'm just trying to get a feel for the seam. I really don't even want to touch necessarily that bottom. And then you're working down, working down. You catch plenty of fish on that first drift even. But yeah, uh, I often will work my way into the seam sort of and refine it. And yeah, you can catch a lot of fish on that eighth, tenth drift. Then there's other seams, you know, you walk up to it and you go, mm, this is one where I want to get that perfect drift right away. Especially if you know the water, you put it right in there, bang, right where you want it to be. I think that's a really good point. And just if you don't know the water, you almost have to work down into it. There you go. Because if you're not going to take the time and do that and you're always going to let it ride deep the first two runs through, you're yeah. going to snag up a lot and you're going to have sucks. to keep move to the next run, break it off. Nice. Just blowing up fish, right? Yeah. Yep. So, hey, anything else, guys, on versatility? What do we miss? I uh, I wanted to bring up weather, and mm-hmm. I just urge everyone listening to go out 
regardless of conditions, if it's raining, if it's snowing, if it's really cold, if it's windy, um, to go out and, and fish anyhow and, and learn how to fish these different tactics um, in any condition. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the weather is not something that's constant and we can't control it. And the days that we get to go fishing, we can't have to control either. So we're going to have to learn how to deal with that. Um, yeah. So go out and, and just get uncomfortable and, and learn how to fish different styles in different, in different conditions. That's, that's my nice. piece of advice for this. Good point, Austin. I'll piggyback on that and, and fish different sections of water. Just don't go to the same place over and over again. Mm, you know, nice. fish a lower yeah. reach, an upper reach. Go drive three hours one way and stop at the closest trout stream you've never fished and yeah. and keep it fresh. I know way too many people mm. that do the same thing over and over and over again. And I think that prohibits you from really growing as an angler. I really liked what you said at the beginning, Matt, which was, you know, the most versatile tool you have is your mind, you know, and, mm. the, and the knowledge. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to their fishing, you know, and if you ask them three or four fish in like, well, what water type are the fish in, or you would catch them out of there. They look at you kind of blankly because <laughs> they, they haven't been thinking about that. Right. And no. they haven't been thinking about, um, so many of the pieces of data that have been coming their way that they could then use to catch more fish throughout the morning or the day. And so, keep your eyes open and pay attention and then, and train that mind to respond to what the fish are telling you. And then, and that's like the foundation for, for the versatility then that you will have as an angler. I like nice stuff. One other thing I'll throw in is don't be afraid to make changes. I feel like if I go 15, probably 15 mm. minutes and I'm not catching a fish, something like, or at least not like having a fish look at it or eliciting a, yeah, a follow or something miss sure. I, some kind like, of action get in a routine of changing and trying yeah. to yeah. if anything it's going to do it's going to keep you more focused like okay i've changed this pattern i'm changed this tactic and now i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna fish this good for 15 minutes and okay this didn't work now let me cycle through it whether it be just a simple fly change um a weight change whatever to kind of keep you in the game yeah, and the longer Agreed. you fish, the longer you learn to trust yourself and you say, that's a good drift. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to with this style, with this leader. My objectives are met. I see a dead drift, for example, on my dry fly. Great. Okay. How can I change things, you know? And sometimes the fish just win. That's what it comes down to. There it <laughs> is. You got to be versatile. You got to be open-minded and know that that happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. For sure. Matt, are you feeling nervous? About? Yeah, the readout. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> why, would I, why would I feel nervous about that? <laughs> now he, he says it's easy. It's not, it's not, yeah. I mean, I know, maybe I'll be nervous with knowing that you're going to critique me pretty heavy, but I'm, I'm just right. going to do my thing and read it. So interrupt <laughs> me when like, you need. Aren't we yeah. going to, are we, is that it? Are we just going to say, uh, <laughs> let me read it out. It's I, I the always, last episode. We get to say like, Hey man, good luck. Oh, right, right. I'm, let, I'm let, heading yeah. into prime, prime time season out here, guys. Are you asking all of us to wish you well? Is that what no. you're saying? <laughs> I'm just rubbing it in that I'm, 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 it's like April 15th. <clears throat> If I had to compare it to to back home, I'm going into April 15th, so the next eight to ten weeks are game on out here. Good luck, sweetheart. I'll see you in the sweetheart hole. (laughs) (laughs) 
Matt, you're saying you're entering prime time. Yes. Entering yep. prime time out west. There you go. Prime time. It's uh, we're in summertime. We're about right. yeah, we're kind of getting into yeah. that summer rhythm. Mm-hmm. Which well, is this fine year we're from in the dawn rhythm. to yeah. eleven. You know, right. Ooh, that's right. right. This year it's and night fishing. With the water the way it's been, it's every hatch is about two weeks behind schedule, which is that's big for a hatch. To to like mm. the salmon flies to hatch two weeks late. Yeah. July's gonna be really good out here. Um because nice. you got so, the water. We got the water. It's cold. Yeah. Uh, the temperatures, you know, we haven't hit any ninety degree days. It's still in the forties at night, so it nice. just it shapes up really well for forties the night. season. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's it's been cool. Um, I dream so, of yeah. those right now. Hmm. Yeah. So hey, guys, seriously, thank you sincerely for uh, being here for all these episodes, and uh, you know, it was a good season. No, it was like fun. It. We're gonna take a yeah. few weeks off, and we'll be back. And yeah. uh, talk more about you know what what comes up in season four, season five. I I really really thank you very much. These are awesome conversations. I, I learn a lot from every time we talk. It's something I look forward to every Monday night. I love it. Likewise, love it. right on. Yeah. Same here. That's That's right. Fun. It's been we good. Have, we have a lot of fishing to do in the next couple of weeks, so we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So hey, yes. what are you gonna do? With, what are you gonna do with a few weeks off? What, what's your Quickly, what's your plan? What are your plans for the for the summer, the early summer coming up? Anything special? Josh and I are going to keep killing two neighbors. Two, two neighbors. <laughs> that's the Trevor plan. Smith has to catch a neighbor at night. Two so that's right. That's We've got to film the mix about it. This is the summer of my neighbor. It's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to spend as much time as I can in my new drift boat. Ooh. Nice. That that's a sweet looking boat. Throwing foam. Throwing foam. foam. Thrashing the water. Yep. Throwing foam and not giving a damn. No, and I really like it, that takes a little bit, right? You have to like you have to be committed to that, like you know, because there's a lot yeah, of great weight yeah. fishing that can happen. But I, yeah. I just, I want to be in my sandals around my drift boat, chucking, chucking foam against the bank. That's what I'm in the mood for. So next time we talk, I'll, I'll talk about how that went. <laughs> yeah. Sound like one of those fly fishing ads. You gonna drive your Tacoma there? I'm going to drive my Tacoma. I'm going to get my rods out of my rod rack. It's Austin's grievance. I'm going to avoid the sweetheart hole, and I'm going to jump jump in my drift boat. All right. Austin's mad. Make sure to put the rod on your shoulder. I'll do that. With every could, picture. I, I mean, if, you don't, if, you, if you're not in the mood for that, you could, I mean, you're really welcome to bite it. You could put it in your teeth. <laughs> yeah. You'd yeah. be a cork biter. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Fiberglass. Heavy. Cork. It's all the same. It's been phased out a little bit. I've not seen that biting. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's still out there. <laughs> it's still, it's still out there. <laughs> Are you following the hashtag rod biters? <laughs> you get out of here. <laughs> oh, come on now. My favorite part of that episode where Bill was like, I don't know what you guys are seeing in your feed. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't see that. He's <laughs> like, guys who fish. He said that guys who shirtless fish, guys yeah. who fish. I don't know what you guys were watching. I don't know. Uh, I see that in my feed. Not my turn. All right. Hey, great season. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks very much for uh, uh, great things here with Trout Pitten. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. There it is. The versatile angler. It's a description that certainly describes each one of us here. We've all dedicated enough time to different fly rod tactics that we have the skill set to present whatever fly fits the moment, whatever the river dictates. With that kind of versatility, our options are wide open and we may choose to fish streamers all morning, or maybe it's dry flies all afternoon. 
But knowing that we have the ability to change and adapt if we want to allows for a different mindset on the river. The experience is more complete because we can do anything at any time given the tools we choose to carry and the system we have for changing efficiently. So, thank you again to everyone out there listening and for supporting this Trout Bitten podcast. Season 3 is finished, and Season 4 returns to the Skills Series format, same as Season 2. This time, Austin and I will cover dry dropper styles. It'll be five or six episodes deep, and we'll cover what I call the three styles of dry dropper. These half-hour podcasts support a written series that I've already published to the Trout Pitten website, and we're looking forward to adding to that resource. So we're taking a few weeks off here between seasons, but I'm going to keep in touch with a couple mini-podcasts. I have a few ideas. There will also be a feed drop featuring a podcast where I was recently a guest with Jason from the Wait Out There podcast. It's a good conversation. So look for all of that in your Trout Pitten podcast feed. All right, Matt. Will you read us out? Oh, yeah. Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 800 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tip Series in collaboration with Wilds Media. There are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. Do you like it? The flawless flawless performance. Let's go. Season four. (laughs) That was was seriously good. Somewhere in that 18 to 22 range. Didn't measure them, but most of them were uh, whiskeys. That was some fast math, man. Sugar will put you right to sleep. What the hell? Did your hard work pay off? Was it worth it? Big payoff. There you go. Oh my gosh, was I grinding it. Look at this one. Look at this one. Uh, Championship hold. I hate to say it, but the hold matters, yeah. Like, did you take turns grubbing it out? All right. If you were a good fisherman, I think you could still catch. I could have like a junior park ranger vest. Walmart. Hey, he's picking on you. I like to catch fish. Yes. Good luck, sweetheart.